welcome to Sisterly Situations. Welcome to Sisterly Situations. I'm Missy. I'm Sherilyn. We are sisters. We are. Did you know that? I was aware. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I am so proud of your level of awareness. (laughs) That's a stretch too, to be so aware of how sisterly we are. (laughs) So So here's our situation. (laughs) Yeah. Here's our situation. situation. (laughs) Why don't we tell people what we are doing here? Okay. So we are sisters and established established that is the situation and we are we just giving like a background of who we are yeah what we're doing here yeah yeah okay so I am a I am a single mom in the southeast of the U.S. and I have a seven-year-old daughter and I'm in my mid-30s I'm and that's, I work a full-time job as a project manager and what else? And I am very different from my younger sister here, my beautiful younger sister, Missy Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Who is me? Hi. And I am, um, I'm a yoga teacher primarily. Uh, and I am 29. We have decent gap between us in age. And years. Yeah. Um, And so if you do the math, you can actually tell how old my sister is who conveniently left uh, specifics out. I I did. I just said (laughs) elder millennial. We'll just leave it there. We are doing this because we are best friends. And yes, which we think is an interesting dynamic between sisters in general. But also um, sisters with this much age this, uh, gap between us. Yeah, I think our story is unique. We've had some challenges and hurdles that we've overcome that have been kind of to the extreme to the point. And yet we are not statistics who are out there the way you would assume. We're actually functioning grownups in the world. And we're also best friends in spite of our differences. Like we know... We know that if I met someone who was out there and the total hippie like um, Missy is, I would probably <laughs> just be like, yeah, no, like normally you would move see... on with your life, not really befriend that person. Right. That, probably not. World. <laughs> um, except I would because I have a Missy in my life and we are so uh, we are so close. So I would be like, oh, you remind me of my sister. That's so cute. Um, and that would probably be as far as it'd go. Cause then I would just call Missy <laughs> <laughs> and tell me about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I met somebody who's such a, such a Missy. Absolutely. Yeah. We are so different. Um, we've, yeah, we've talked about it too. If we weren't sisters, we probably, and we, and we met, you know, in another way in life, we probably would never be friends because we're so different. Unlikely. Yeah. That we would be besties. Right. Unlikely. Um, yeah. And I think there there's, but there's definitely been a lot of growth and a lot of things that we've had to overcome to get to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we also, to why we're doing this. Podcast. Right. Yeah. So why are we doing this? We're doing this to share our story and um, share a lot of the insights that we get from each other. So as we talk through things, we really because we have this safe space of so much love between each other. We also challenge each other. Um, we challenge each other a lot. Quite a bit. Quite a <laughs> Quite bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> In the way that siblings do challenge each other, but we can receive it not always right away, but mm-hmm. a lot of, but a lot of times we can receive it and we can come back to a place where we know the other person's coming from love and we can grow from that experience and, you know, we'll talk about situations, um, situations that we're going through and how our sister helps us to see things from a different perspective because we are so different. So we do have mm-hmm. a completely different view of the world out there, um, that helps us to see different perspectives. Beautiful. That was so amazing. Was that Love amazing? It. 
yeah you put that um into perfect words I think that was a perfect little summary of kind of us (sighs) okay wipe this one off all right pressure pressure (laughs) yeah um we've gone through we had um our story is interesting um you know do we want to give a little bit of like the highlight reel of our story okay let's do it all right. Let's dive in. So there is a big age gap. So Buckle our, up, mother, kiddos. <laughs> our mother was incredibly young when she had me and inexperienced and, and had some of her own life challenges that she had to deal with that I'm sure we'll dive into later, but not the least of all being some self-medication that she did in her life to deal with her life. And so I got to be got to be bounced around between family members. And I got to have that experience of shared among the family, I guess. It's <laughs> like a beautiful way of putting your traumatic experience. Uh. It could, it could be, but it has really helped develop me into a better person than had I not. Um, there are so many, there are so many ways, so many things that I've gotten out of that experience with getting to getting to live with different aunts and uncles and cousins and things. That's awesome Miss, that you look at it that way. I, it's, it's taken a lot of time and a lot of therapy <laughs> to get I can't to wait that for place. Us to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're here, right? So we yes. can talk about those, those things yes. and how, how we get to that kind of a place yeah. of this is a gift such a gift that we have that I have so many different people that I can that I love so much that have been there for me through life because there are so many people out there who didn't have that experience but they didn't have family who stepped up the way ours did Mm. I love them Mm -hmm. for that yeah so you were being tossed around as a child yeah and a teenager yeah so there there was not very much consistency in my growing up life and Missy's experience was a little bit different because she has biologically a different dad, although I have kind of claimed him as my dad, which so, I love. Go ahead. Go into. So after uh, my big sister here was being tossed around, my dad came into the picture and started dating my mom. And how many years later was I born? One. I think years might be a stretch. <laughs> um, I thought that that was kind of what that answer would be. Um, so there was a point, and I don't know the math. I, I it's was, okay. I you was were like seven. five or six. Okay, you were seven. Okay, there you go. I was, I, I was six when I moved in with mom and dad. And okay, um, so you, so dad came into mom's life when you were around six, right? Okay. Five or six. I don't know how long that, how long that process took, but I moved okay. in with them at six shortly after had my seventh birthday party at their house. And that is what, that's like my starting point of what I remember. Okay. Awesome. Pictures. That's great. That's like a really nice image. Your seventh birthday party. But my seventh birthday party. And a few months later, sitting on the couch with mom and she was on the phone with somebody and she, I was not paying attention because I was seven and she was like, and well, she's look, she's sitting right here. So she probably has some questions. So I'm going to have to tell her now. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's clearly me. This is about me. And what? wow. What? And that's what I remember her saying. And that's when I peeked up, like perked up and was like paying attention. And she was like, so mommy's going to have a baby. And it was me. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, I, I was born and I, my sister, what, uh, you tell the story about when I was born and all before. right. I feel like I keep commandeering this whole thing here. I'm not trying well, to, this is all before I was even here. So it kind of makes sense. <laughs> all right. Fair. So, okay. So yeah. So then the day came. And I was in second grade and I was really nervous. It was September and the, we had, like the season. <laughs> we had the loudspeaker in the classroom and the speaker came. I was really nervous about mom having a baby. I, I was worried about her safety. I was worried about yours. And I wanted my sister so bad. Of course, mom never found out if you were going to be a girl or boy. Like mom and dad did not have any idea. I did. I was certain. Wait a minute. 
they didn't know. And they had so many fights about my name. They did. Oh yeah. But they didn't even know. Well, that's, you can't. Okay. Well, so it wasn't (laughs) like, like everybody today has the gender reveal party. Well, and all that the gender reveal was the day you were born primarily back in those days. I feel like it was much more common. Well, I, I guess it was, well, yeah, the gender reveal thing is definitely like a new thing, but yeah, that's a new thing. But that, like the, in, in the sense of the parties, you could still tell, they could still tell you. Oh, certainly. Yes. They could tell us, but there was still, that was still not like the, a lot the of people go-to. wanted to be surprised. A lot of people wanted to still be surprised. That was, that was much more common than knowing Mm. at the time. There was more of a transition later that happened where people were like, oh no, I can know. I want to know. Got it. So it was common for us to not know the sex of the baby at that time. But then I came out and I was a girl. Yes. And I was certain I was having a sister because that's what I wanted. And that's what I had been asking for. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to have a sister. And that's why there was so much fighting about your name. Because if you were a boy, that was known. Like that was going to be check, easy to do. Um, You would have got dad's middle name as your first name. That's not what mom says. Well, (laughs) anyway, so I came out and you, what did you say? I'm trying to get a specific sentence out of you. I came out and you said. So I got to go to the hospital that day that you were born and I got to hold you for the first time. First of all, like I walked in, grandma, one of our grandmothers picked me up, brought me to the hospital and they were like, do you want to, hold? I was like, give me my baby. And I held you and I looked up at mom and dad and I was like, thank you for my baby. There it is. <laughs> I know that's what you were waiting for. There had to be all that build up though. You'll probably that, that was, cut most I, of that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to leave a lot of it. Um, but some but of it. yes, I, de- I definitely just, I claimed you, you were my baby, even before you were born though. Like they knew that this was coming because I used to, I, I was learning how to read or I was, I had learned how to read in first grade. So in second grade, the whole summer leading up to your birth, I would like have mom sit down and I was like, we have to read to the baby. So she's smart, sit down. And I would read to you or read to mommy's belly all the time. That is so cute. It it was really cute. Like from a seven-year-old perspective, it was adorable. And we had a cat that was pregnant at the same time, like that summer. Oh, and I used yeah. I used to read to the cat too. Like oh. that was mom's way to pass me off when she was like, I've got stuff to do. Like, just, I appreciate that you want to <laughs> read, but I have to like fold laundry or do whatever grownups got to do. You know? Right. Right. So if she couldn't just sit down and let me read to her, she would pass me off to the cat and she'd be like, Hey, the cat's going to have babies. Like, <laughs> read to those read babies. To those babies. <laughs> that is so funny okay so (laughs) there's a little bit of background from before I was born and then I came into the world and yeah my yes she did (laughs) (laughs) I really came out into the world um and (laughs) yeah I don't I have zero memory of um our parents together they were you know apart before I have any any memories um I do remember like the layout of our house at that time but yeah so then I lived with you guys you and mom until I was about seven everything's happening at seven um it's a big year uh Guinevere seven. I know my daughter is seven so that means I know so seven is a big year and my stomach like clenched up about that so much because it's like oh also she asked for a sibling the other day oh wow yeah also you met so dad and mom you moved in with them when they were when you were seven I moved in with dad and Jean when I was seven seven. Mm -hmm. so Jean is my stepmom and um Mm -hmm. so yeah I had met I've lived with mom and you until I was seven dad and Jean met and got married and then won custody of me there was a big court battle <clears throat> I'm sure we'll go into like detail and stuff about that at a later time, I'm sure. But yeah, so there was a there was a heated custody battle for a while. Yeah. 
So eventually that turned into me and Cheryl both moving out, but you were taken to our cousins and Mm -hmm. I was taken to dad. So we were kind of separated there for a while, which makes me sad. We were very separated. Yeah. And that was really, really hard because you were my baby. And you were my favorite person. Like every, I remember being like, I don't know, uh, hardly a teenager or early teens or something. Yeah, I was not even. I had to be only hardly in double digits because I remember my favorite number being your age. And it. I remember changing it from 16 to 17 to 18. I mean, like my favorite number is how old my sister is. Because like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like literally my radio presets, my favorite station would go on the number of how old. So your radio presets in what? Cause like, it's not like you had a car at 10 years old. <laughs> I'm sorry. My boom box. <laughs> oh, your boom box had like presets. Like full-time. Well, it wasn't like a boom box anymore at that point. Is, is that what they were called still? I don't even know, but yeah, it had like the, num- it was like one of the fancy ones. It had like the numbers in the front and you could preset it to as whatever number combination you wanted. So if you wanted, you know, something at 300, you could set that if you want. So I literally pressed one eight to get to my favorite station and you were 18. That's funny. Yeah. We you were separated fancy stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. So, and that was like an interesting dynamic to like move from moms to dads and have a completely different life and a completely different lifestyle and resources. Well, lifestyle and also parenting style. It, it kind of just occurred to me recently, like, wow, that was a huge shift for a mm-hmm. seven-year-old went from like zero structure to all the structure. And, and that it clicked for me. It explains a lot about me and about how things went. Yeah. I wouldn't say there was zero structure for you with mom's house. I know that that's the presentation that's given because mom wasn't particularly responsible or, um, well, that's what I meant with, with parents. Yeah. 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 You had a lot more structure than I did because you had a lot more oversight from yeah. me mostly, but also like mom worried about you and cared about you more and not like you were like, awkward. no, like, I don't know. I'm I don't know. How to, I don't know how to say it um, in a way that doesn't sound just say it because we're very, oh, we say this stuff. To we're each so other open. Yeah. Yes. So we I know what you're going to say pretty much. <laughs> So Missy is the favorite child. She was the wanted child, which there's not like, I don't want to say it in a way where people listening think it's like a bitter thing because it's not. It's quite, it's a burden that Missy has to carry. Yeah. I laugh about now. (laughs) Yeah. Like from, yeah, between us and our little sibling, (laughs) the only person that really has an issue with me being the favorite is me (laughs) because it really is. It's a burden. But anyway. Right. <laughs> well, so because I'm so much older than you, there were a number of years where I was the only adult child. So there were things like I had I had to think about and decisions that I had to make and consider, especially when mom's health was not good. Like yeah, it, super there were just down. there were there were a lot of times where her health was just it was an, and I was having to think about and try to plan for worst case scenarios. Oh my gosh. I remember some of the worst case scenarios happening. Like mom was so sick one night, but it got, it got to the point where she told us to call the ambulance mm-hmm. um, because she was so, it was so bad. And I like remember seeing her, you know, sick in the bathroom and that, I mean, that's really it. That's, I have that visual of that scene and the ambulance coming and that's it. So there was a time when you were a teenager where I had gotten the call from the hospital, like she's not going to make it. And I, and Oh yeah. When I was in high school and I was playing lacrosse. Oh, I remember this day I was at lacrosse practice and I was supposed to go home with like my friend and dad came and picked me up instead. Yeah. So she was in a medically induced coma. Yeah. Because, and it was kind of like, this isn't, she's, we don't know if we're going to be able to wake her up because every time they did her heart, she would have like this panic and her heart and everything, her blood pressure would go so high. And she tried to pull out the tubes, right? Right. Like she was, she was going to go into heart failure and she like, 
So we weren't sure what to do. So then at one point it was, she's on a ventilator. Like she's, she's on machines. That's what's keeping her alive right now. And so I was going, I was on the train on my way up to her to essentially make the decision to pull the plug when she called me and said, yeah, I'm being released today. And I was like, wait, what? You were like, that's, that's, how is this happening? There's a really funny meme that's out there right now. And the dad was like in a coma for a long time. I'm going to try to find it so that I don't butcher it, but I'm probably going to not find it fast enough and butcher it anyway. Where he's in the hospital, he's in a coma, and then he comes out and texts his kid, I live, bitches. <laughs> and that that's is hilarious. What I think of. But yeah, it's not going to be, it's not something I saved. So next people find it quickly. But it was, it's, it's so funny. So anyway, so she basically called you and said, I live, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think she, she was like, I just didn't want you to worry. And I was like, I'm on the train. And she was like, oh, where are you going? And I was like, I'm coming to you. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Coming to pull the plug. Cause you told me you didn't want to be on a ventilator. (laughs) Wow. I remember this. Oh man. And so here's something I remember. (laughs) Yay. So there were a lot of years where I just had that, that burden kind of over me of, I'm going to have to be the one to make these decisions and I'm going to have to handle things. So you becoming an adult and it being like, Missy's got the favorite. She's the favorite. She's got this. She can tell Missy how, what she, her final wishes, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't tell me. Well, the only reason why she tells me is because I've asked her because I want to be prepared. I am someone who just has a panic and I want to be prepared. And then she calls you and complains that you're trying to kill her, but I'm trying to kill her. (laughs) And really, I just, I don't want to be caught off guard. Like I don't want her to go and me not be prepared and I'm spiraling. Like there's, there's so much emotion that happens when stuff like that happens. So I just want to like have my to-do list and be like, I know, here's what I know. I know that she wants this, this, and this. I know we have to take care of this, this, and this. Like, so that way I can throw myself into something that I don't spiral into a deep, dark depression and being sad about it. Yeah. Not that I yeah. won't be sad, but she's going to stay busy. <laughs> I have to stay busy. That's just how I deal with things. Anyway, there was a big custody battle and we were separated for a long time. <laughs> back to like us. And <laughs> right. Back to us. And where, what, what happened? Yeah. So then, then, you know, years of estrangement and some years later we reconnected um on our own when Cheryl had uh, her own what estrangements that's a weird way to put it not entirely inaccurate we only saw each other a couple times a year yeah why, why is that a weird way to put it we were estranged it's that's it's accurate no <laughs> well I think of estrangement I think of like my ex okay all right So there was a period of separation (laughs) and then eventually we were able to reconnect, you know, when we were kind of, not kind of, when we were in control, you know, when you got your license and, you know, me and you were able to decide that we wanted to see each other. Long story short, we got, we became really, really close, um, especially, you know, in adult, in our adult lives. And yeah, we talk a lot and every time we go through something, you know, we're calling each other and we're saying usually. Hey, so here's my situation. Mm-hmm. And we tell each other our situations. And it's been um, a really awesome growing and learning process that we've kind of developed. And as you said before, you know, we'll have revelations and epiphanies from each other's perspectives. And often we'll often we'll change each other's minds about things. And often we won't, and we'll peacefully agree to disagree, which has taken a lot of time and a lot of growth and we're not perfect. Right. We're not always, you know, we don't always do that seamlessly, but through us going through all of this and having these conversations at one point we decided this is too good not to share. Like th- these are important revelations and the way that we can listen to each other and take in information that the other person is saying, I think is really awesome. And I think it's something that we, you know, we've overcome a lot to get to and, and in order to, 
you know, learn and grow and be a better person. You know, I think it's important to have those kinds of people in our lives and not everybody has that. And I also think that setting an example of that and sharing that is an awesome thing to bring into the world. And um, anybody can benefit from it. We just wanted to share it. I think it's also important for listeners to understand that we weren't always like this. It, it didn't come naturally and it didn't come easy. We had to work for it. And I think some yeah. of those conversations and some of the ways we had to talk through that is important part of discovery about us. Yeah. Um, so we had, it wasn't just like peaceful epiphany having conversations no. either <laughs> where we were just like giving each other's perspective in a nice way. We had to have many we've, big blowouts. <laughs> we've had, I mean, we've had a few recently. We've had a few. So there were, there are a couple of like pivotal life-changing sort of moments that have happened that, you know, just highlight real again. So, you know, Missy became an adult that, that changes that dynamic a little bit. And that transition was actually really hard for us because yes. you went from taking care of your kid sister to your little sister's now a teenager and it's like wow you are way too protective over me you are not my mother da, da, da. I got like I got angry with you I think for... you did more in your early 20s than you even did as a teenager like it I was mean more... I think well yeah probably I, you probably I think it was right? in your early 20s when you were like literally I'm an adult now and I was yeah. like no you're not <laughs> like, yeah yeah I, I, yeah, I specifically though, like what we were talking about before, like the time when mom was in a chemically, uh, a medically induced coma, yeah. I remember calling you and reaming you out for calling every single family member and telling them not to tell me like I was so upset. So it definitely started when I was a teenager. I absolutely understand where you're coming from. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, maybe someday we'll talk about that on here, but, um, but yeah, yeah. I remember that like as it, as a big in how I felt respected. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm, I'm not a little kid anymore. So that's kind of when that started for me, it probably got way heightened when I was like 20, 21 and in college and like, yeah, like, dude, yeah, I'm an adult. I mean, and we have kind of gotten to a point where we just respectfully disagree. I handled it the best that I could at the time. There were a lot of other things. There were a lot of other things. Like, I didn't want it to be something where somebody casually mentioned to you, hey, your mom might be dying. Like, I want, I wanted to have a better handle on the situation and know because she didn't. And <laughs> I said that a little, like, venomously. <laughs> <sighs> there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot that I was like, I don't want to put this responsibility and this burden on her when she's you know, there's nothing she can do. She's in school and she's handled and she's got lacrosse and she has, she, there's a lot happening. Let's get a better sense of what's going on with mom before we, I'm like, okay, so she's in a coma. Yeah. Cause a coma is a scary word. And I was like, absolutely. And it did scare me. And 29 year old me totally understand where you were coming from and what you did and why and why you did it. And honestly, dad picked me up from lacrosse practice instead of me going to my friend's house that day. So I was like a little freaked out. And let's also be honest that yeah, a coma is a scary word. So he did tell me when we got home and that was the the appropriate way to handle it. And when he told me I was full of fear and that's where that anger towards you came from was, I'm sure it wasn't about you. It was about, it was about the fear primarily, you know, and not to say that I didn't have a point, but that was not, you did. Yeah. You were, you were not seven. You were like 15. Right. Right. So and yeah. there's a different handling of things. I mean, and there were other times okay. where there have been other times in our lives when, you know, it's been like, Missy's mad at you. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the most important thing right now. Well, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and not to be offensive towards you, but like there was, I remember there was a situation where one of your friends was like cutting themselves yeah. and we were on instant messenger and you're telling me this and I'm calling dad to get in touch with her parents. And dad's like, and he was trying to be 
very protective of our relationship and being like, okay, so how do I present this in a way where it doesn't sound like Cheryl was telling me about this and you betrayed and you betrayed her confidence. And I was like, dad, I don't care if Missy is mad at me. She's been mad at me before. She will be mad at me again. We'll get past it. Yeah, what the I circumstances is- surpass the, the moment yeah. of possible. There's a child's life at stake right now. Like, <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and then if I remember correctly, I know I called her mom. And yeah, I wound so up being dad. to call her mom. No, I sat down with dad and I think I went to him and told him about it. And then I sat down and I yeah. called her mom. And there was a lot of urging on my side because you were like, I don't want to do that to her because of the Like you, you were very conflicted as teenagers was, yeah. and kids are. Well, because, because I didn't want wanna... her to be mad at me and I didn't want to lose right. her friendship. And ultimately I did, but I'm not upset about that. Really? That's our friend? We'll have to do. We'll, we're, have a... we'll have a conversation about that. We're acquaintances. We're not like, but we're not friends. We don't have a friendship. Right. Yeah. Right. You know that, <laughs> but she's alive and she's got three kids now, and she yeah, and ha- she's got has a beautiful, beautiful life. life. <laughs> and that's what's important. Like that is so much more important. So when I say yeah. that I didn't, I didn't care even about the mom situation that you were going to be mad at me. It's just, it's not that I don't care about you and your feelings. It was just that, that that's not the most important thing at that moment. Yeah, we're having a crisis, so we right. need to address the crisis, and then we can right. kind of have a discussion then we'll, let's talk about your feelings and how they yeah matter. yeah um <laughs> because <laughs> and not to be insensitive but that's just how I operate well and I I think that makes sense you know yeah I don't think that's uncommon um no. and I I own it I think there I think what's great about us and what we'll see in this podcast is there are times when people I think that's a normal response to things like you respond to different things and, but people will be like well I'm not insensitive and I'll just be like no there are times when I just don't care what your feelings are <laughs> like, <laughs> I will care about them after the crisis is solved yeah and so yeah like I own that about myself and I think there are there are a lot of people who don't own things about themselves. So I, I'm hoping that that's another gift that people can get where they can, they can claim their space and say, you know, this is how I am. And that's okay. As long as I don't try and act like it's something that's different. Like, I'm not going to come back to you and be like, oh, your feelings are the most important thing to me. Not if I'm in a crisis. Like, I don't want to be fake about it. We'll get to you later. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think, you know, everybody handles things differently. And we need to, first of all, become aware of how we handle things. And then we need to communicate. Then we also need to figure out if that is that working also, you know, is that a healthy way of dealing with things? Is it working? You know, is it ultimately okay? Am I hurting anybody? Right. Then we have to kind of communicate, hey, this is how I handle things. Because fact of the matter is, you know, I'm over here creating whatever stories in my head about why you're not dealing with why you don't care about my feelings. When meanwhile, you ultimately you do, you just have a priority that you need to, you're in crisis mode. And so you need to deal with your feelings before you can deal with mine. (laughs) Right. Because we also had a number of years for you in your earlier 20s where you were very angry with me um, and dad, but largely with me because some decisions were made for you as a child to get you out of the unhealthy situation with mom. And you really didn't appreciate that at the time. You were just like, you know, there were decisions made. I wasn't included in the conversation and you were very angry about that. And a lot of work has been done in the last decade to just be yeah, I'm talking about your life in decades now. Take that. Um, (laughs) yes. So in the last decade, we have had to do a lot of work to just be like, you should not have been included in those conversations. And now, yeah, I am totally in a place where I'm like, I appreciate how all of you handled all of that and where you were all coming from. And that's not to say that everything was handled perfectly because no, no nobody handles no that is so complicated because and and everybody handled it the best way they could right I think and I think one of the realizations also because I was so much older than you there's a perception of I was one of your grown-ups and so 
we did have to just be like, no, see, I was like 13 making some of these decisions for you. Yeah. And that kind of had to, and that shaped our dynamic in a certain way. And, and that's why I got so upset is because I was like, why was my 13 year old sister making these decisions? She wasn't responsible for me. And that's why now she's overprotective of me. And she constantly is like meddling in, in a a way that I, that feels disrespectful to me, you know, treating me like a child. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, that's where, um, I think that's where a lot of the anger towards, towards you came from. And obviously now talking about that, it's like, that's and really I think a little a- jealousy. Why was I treated like such a grown up at such a young age? And here you oh, were yeah. like 20, 21, 22. Yeah. And you just- weren't getting the same respects that I was at 14. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second. This is such an imbalance. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't make decisions about myself and where, and my education and things like this. And Cheryl's been making these decisions, not only for herself, but for me, since she was a freaking child, like since middle school, she was making these decisions for herself and for me and about right. like how we're living. Yeah. And it, you're like, when's it going to be my turn to be treated right. like a grown up? And you know, it's so funny. I still don't feel like you get treated like a grown up. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's by you. (laughs) Well, and I think that's where a lot of our work comes in because I did have to have a moment with you where I was like, okay. So there was a conversation that you had with somebody that I think started a, a lot of our a lot of our conversations where someone had made the analogy that all of these things were put in like a jar and you put them. That was me. I made that analogy. It was, I can tell that story. Yes. Go ahead. It was like my first or second time in California. Um, I'm from the East coast, but I live in California now. Um, so I was in this yoga training for a weekend And part of what we did in this training was we were led through a yoga nidra meditation, which means that you are lying down and you use as many props as you'd like uh, to be as comfortable as you possibly can. And then they lead you through a full body scan, starting from your toes all the way to your head. It's kind of like a full body relaxation where you pay attention to each part of the body individually and actively relax it. So I don't remember at what point I stopped really hearing the guidance of the teacher, but through this very strong meditation and connection, I think to myself inwardly, I wound up having, and this is going to sound crazy to some people, but our people will get it. Um, (laughs) Whoever our people are. Um, I wound up having like this full on out of body experience. Like I could literally see myself in the room I was in. And surrounded by all the people that were also laying around with me. But then I kept kind of going and I found, I, I found this house. And so it sounds like a dream. You no, know? I, I, I found this house and I walked and I walked in and I, there was like this source of heat and I was trying to find the source of heat. And so, you know, I went into this house that I recognized and then I went into a room to follow this source of heat. And then I realized it was in a closet. So I opened the closet door and there were boxes, boxes and boxes and boxes. And I started moving them and they were, everything was blocking this jar, found like a jar that was full of traumatic memories to put it simply and things that I hadn't truly thought about processed or dealt with. And they were put in this jar and tucked away and locked away so that I could move on with my life and not pay attention to that and not worry about that because Mm -hmm. I, I, well, because that was my protect, my self-protective mechanism, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about where that probably came from. And so, so yeah, this, this jar uh, I found was, it, it was a huge revelation. It was a huge thing for me to be aware of and admit that all of this stuff had happened in our lives and to us. And, um, it gave it. So by me acknowledging it, 
because I was in denial uh, because everything was in this jar. So I was in denial pretty much. And I didn't remember a lot of things because I blocked a lot of things out. So when I finally found this jar and realized that, you know, there was all of this baggage and all the stuff that we had gone through, that was huge for you because it was like, oh my gosh, now she's finally validating that this stuff happened. Right. Because there was a lot of just anger at me instead of realizing that I wasn't the problem. (laughs) Yeah. I shouldn't have been put in that position. But also I think there was a moment of realization because when you explain that, like you, and because I was always like, it's not like we were hiding this from you either. Like the discussions were like, no, you weren't included in the decision-making, but it's not like people were trying to paint a picture and be like, well, mom is just wonderful. And your life is completely normal. Right. And everything is all roses and sunshine. I was like, this isn't a secret that she was failing miserably. And it, it wasn't a secret that life was difficult and things were happening and like the custody battle and things like that. Like none of that was kept from you, but we did make it. And what I said, when you told me about the jar was, Because you were like, this is how I just self, like my self-preservation is I have this jar and you were taking a lot of that on yourself. And I was like, you know what though? I feel like we gave you that jar. We handed that to you and said, you don't have to deal with this because we're going to take care of you and do this for you. So I think there's shared ownership and why it took you so long to, to deal with that. Yeah. And it's, you shouldn't at seven years old or yeah, <laughs> start dealing right, with that. Exactly. And I was like, well, and that is so beautiful and amazing and appropriate to do with a child in that situation. And then it's so interesting how I, I really appreciate the way that was handled as a kid, but then as an adult, it became a burden because a burden to, and hindering. because now it's like, Oh, and here's the jar out, like right on top of you. Oh my gosh. So, like trying to figure. And there's, there's not but, really, yeah, then it kind of started spilling, right? The right, jar then it's spilling, spilling all over food. and you're yeah. just, you're entrenched and drowning in your trauma experiences. Instead of, yeah. Instead of like breaking it down and processing. So then I like, I remember kind of having a, a moment where I was like, ah, no, clear it. Shut the jar, shut the jar. Shut it, shut it, shut it, shut it. I've got right. enough that, that spilled out to deal with. Right. And then there's the like also that question of like, so what is the right way of handling it? And I'm sure we'll go into that on another episode. Um, because I'm looking at time here. Yeah. And I do have to pick up my child. But one of the concerns that I have, because I am a single mother, so there's there's a trauma point that started with my daughter when she was six weeks old. Yeah. So, and, it, and there have been other points where it's, and I've already given her a jar. I've already said, you don't need to deal with this. This is grown up stuff. You should not. Nope. Nope. You're not even allowed like until first grade really, or kindergarten when she started kindergarten, I didn't even let her listen to anything that wasn't Disney music. Like she right. couldn't even listen to kids bop or <laughs> like right. I can I've been so overprotective of her innocence because I had a little bit more control that I didn't have with you. And I didn't feel like I could protect you enough, even though I was so overprotective, I never felt like it was enough. And I've wow. overcompensated with my own child. <laughs> so wow. there is that, well, I don't want her to turn what 25 and suddenly find a jar in the back of the closet of trauma. Yeah. So there, there's got to be a middle ground yeah. somewhere. I know. I think that the answer is nobody's perfect and you do the best that you can. <laughs> and you're amazing. Yeah, there, there is that. There is certainly, so there's a lot of retrospection that happens. Um, how can yeah. I be a better parent in my mid to late thirties than I was at 13? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shockingly. I love that. Um, <laughs> well, Cool. And in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, there's more stability. Um, so we did have that moment for you. We also had a year where we had a lot of, a lot of very traumatic events with deaths in the family and, yeah. and stuff. So that caused, you know, I remember when grandma passed, um, we were at your house or we were at dad's house because you were still living there. Mm-hmm. At the I was time. because that was 26 days after Alex passed too. Yeah. And I was yeah. living with them at the time. Yeah. And I remember you went upstairs and dad looking at me and you had said something that was pretty harsh, like pr- pretty mean to me. You had quite a bit of attitude towards me. And 
you went upstairs and dad looked at you and he looked at me and I was like, it's fine. She's got a lot on her plate right now because she's, I knew I was like, she's just really scared that the next call that we get is going to be mom. And then let's give you a little tiny snapshot of the next, the following year and a half where yes. it was, I was at Alex's funeral and then grandma's funeral and then uncle Tom and then a couple of friends in between. And then uh, uncle Tom and, and Judy. Judy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that was, that was such a rough year and a half span where you and I walking yeah. up to, to aunt Judy's funeral, we were like, so do we start paying rent at this funeral home and get a bed and just, yeah, here because we're traveling here all the time. And I remember coming time. downstairs, I, I moved in with, uh, grandma, uh, dad's mom during that and time, dad, grandma and grandpa, <laughs> they both lived there. Well, yeah, but I'm, but I came downstairs at grandma to, to, to grandma is why I mm-hmm. only said that. Um, so I came downstairs in my, in a dress and grandma was like, oh no, not another one because she recognized my funeral dress, your funeral dress. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we've just been through so much. And it had gotten to the point where I didn't even tell her that somebody had passed. She found out when I was on my way to the funeral and I was like, wow, really? Like. So it was just so smushed in and so much happened. And so a lot happened with outside of us. And so our relationship at that point suffered and then, um, and then it totally blossomed and flourished after that. We, that was definitely the cloud before the sunshine. Like that was the storm before the rainbows or whatever, because it was definitely a period where it was just like, there was just so much anger and hostility and uh, and it was and because we were not mentally okay like we were god no drowning in in grief and misery and and we were not okay no and I I was not okay from Alex's death and then right we never had a chance to grieve any one of those people right because it was just bombarding and it was just like and here's another one and here's another like it was the DJ Khaled of funerals. Um, it, it was literally, and this is terrible. So I have all of their pictures on the top of my bookshelf over here and I'm like looking and it was like oh. an entire generation of our family died in a wow. year. Yeah. Except for mom's dad, grandpa and dad's parents. Yeah. And it was like, and for me, it was really hard because I had never lost, well, I had had never lost a family member before. My first love had died. Yeah. And I was, uh, my first love had died years before this. Right. And I never processed that. And I still haven't entirely. I still have this dream that he's just going to show up and it's going to be, I watched too many soap operas with mom as a kid. So I definitely feel like he's going to, they're going to come back to life. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're just, they're going to come back. The contract's going to get renewed. They're going to show up. It's going to be like, oh, I was in a coma and here I am alive and well again. And it was, I, I have a very unhealthy relationship with death and I don't deal with it. And at all. And we were going through a lot of it. So our relationship, it was a lot was, was hanging on like very thin thread. I think one of the things that we have realized with each other is, and there was another revelation that happened is because we are so close and we love each other so much, we have a very unhealthy habit of kind of taking each other for granted. And we had oh, yeah. to do, and using we each had other to do punching bags and using each other as punching bags. And it could just be like, you can be as mean to me as you want to be, because I'm never going to stop loving you. And I'm always going to be here for you. Like we are our consistence in yeah, a world sure. where that's our foundation. That's our foundation. And yeah. Especially in a world where our grownups were not our safe space yeah. and did and- not provide that consistency for us. And that was even always there. We always knew that from day one. That, that yes. never went away. Even when we were separated, even when we were having a hard time in our relationship, when we were fighting all the time, that foundation 
never went away. And I think that that was so amazing and beautiful. I th- yeah, I think that's the beautiful part of our story yeah. that I hope translates as we go on with this. Yeah, Because I even remember when Uncle Tom passed, we had just had a huge blow up and we were not speaking to each other. And we were like, you had said something that I, I still haven't entirely forgiven. But, and I'm sure I said things that you hadn't forgiven. And it was just like, we pushed and hit buttons that we couldn't go back from. And that mm. we have later had to acknowledge and realize. And, but you still like, you knew he hadn't passed yet. He was in the hospital, but you knew what that would mean to me. So when, when um, our cousin, Linda, when she was here, you had texted her and said, have you told her yet? Cause you knew she was going to be giving me this news that he was in the hospital. And she texted, she texted you and said, yeah, I told her at dinner and you texted me right away. And you were like, bullshit aside, like, I remember. Are you, yeah. are you okay? Yeah. And it was just like, and we, we've always been able to do that. We've always just been able to be like, okay, all of that other stuff, it just doesn't matter even at the, even when we were at the worst with each other. Yeah. And that was, that was the worst. That was the worst of each other. For sure. Um, For sure. And I think there, there are a couple other pivotal moments that have happened that we will have to go back to like my surgery last year. I think that was another big changing point. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah. (laughs) I really think so because I personally had a revelation I think we, our relationship has been in a, has been in a very good place since we've done some of this work. But last year, I just had a very different pivotal change in how I viewed you. Okay. I'm excited to get into that someday. Um, yeah. All right. So, well, awesome. I think that we've given our listeners uh, a really a good- A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot here. Um, our highlight reel is long. <laughs> long, yes. Yeah, so, and we didn't even do deep dives into no, some not even a little into bit. most of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's why this time was actually limited. So and that, was, that was really great. Um, so I want to say to whoever is listening, thank you for listening. Thank you. um, We can't wait to give you more. Yes, we hope you want more. I hope you're interested in learning more about some of those stories and others where we've talked through our situations. Yeah. And we've done those deep dives and life is still happening. So there will be more. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Because you're my best friend and I love you. You're my best friend and I love you so much. Love you. So please check out our website and subscribe and listen and like and all that good stuff. All that stuff that you know puts so us we can on keep... the radar and in the what algorithm? Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot to learn. Still. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So please like us, subscribe, keep listening, listen for more. Let us know if there's things that you heard today that you want to hear more about. Ooh, we can dive into. Yeah. Yeah. If there's any specific questions, send them on in. Um, yeah. We'll have to set up an email for that and um, I'll patch that in at the end. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes. So right, sisterly well, situations and that's, that's our situation. That's our situation. I love you <laughs> so much. I love you.